1: Hey, uh, welcome everyone to the April 5th edition of the Road Wire NFL podcast brought to you by Underdog. It's the NFC East, no longer the NFC least, certainly after last year and the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl and the referees deciding they're going to lose. Uh, I mean, uh, a really well-fought game that definitely was not officiated uh, incorrectly whatsoever. We'll, of course, talk about the Giants as well. Uh, the lack of Ezekiel Elliott, what that means for the Cowboys offense and a whole lot more. So let's get right to it. Again, welcome to the April 5th edition of the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Joe Bartle. Alongside me every Wednesday, Jim Coventry. Uh, we've been doing these divisional previews every single week. We finally hit the last one, the NFC East. Of course, we have the Super Bowl uh, NFC participants, the Eagles in this conference division, I should say. We have the Giants, who surprised a lot of people, won a playoff game. The Cowboys also did too. Uh, maybe didn't surprise as many people, but great record thus far. Uh, and, you know, commanders as well too. This is a division just like having done this whole thing now, Jim, that I'm pretty confident to say next year is going to be near the top. And I would not be surprised if the same conversation we had about the AFC West last year with the Raiders and chargers and Broncos and chiefs all making the playoffs. Of course they didn't, but a lot of us assume most of the case, I I would not be surprised if we have at least three, possibly four teams from the East make the playoffs. It's partly because the AFC is down, But I really think there's a a lot of positive trajectory for a few of these teams. And if enough situations go right, you can have a situation where the the Cowboys and Giants and Commanders and certainly the Eagles all make the playoffs, too. So I'm excited to dive into this with you. And um, I guess uh, real generally, Eagles have two picks, right? Cowboys have one pick. Giants have one pick. Commanders have one pick. I think this is the first time in a month that we've had a, a division breakdown where every team has at least one first-round pick. We've, of course, made it through the offseason, uh, at least the, the, the beginning part, where most of these teams' cap situations has been figured out, less to go through. But I thought that was kind of interesting that this is one of the first times we've had in a while where there's actually everyone with their first-round pick. Of course, it's all in the back end, except for the Eagles, ironically, who have number 10. But uh, your overall thoughts on the NFC East and the possibility that four teams could make the playoffs next year.
2: I thought it was amazing. Not one of the teams finished under 500. Washington yep. hit that sneaky tie, when 8 8 and 1 in the 17 game season. Thought that was great. And Joe, I certainly understand the case of saying you can get multiple teams in the playoffs again from the NFC East. And I can certainly see the scenarios, but as we went into the last year, remember how you referenced this, we talked about the AFC West and how loaded it was. And by the end of the season, it was the chiefs. Now I know the chargers made the playoffs, but it wasn't quite the storybook season they would have liked. And I like the chargers. So it, the NFL, things change quickly Mm. one key injury that team is sunk just a couple poor decisions game management stuff your record tanks so i see the path but this is going to be an unfolding process and we're going to talk about a number of these teams and we'll see some of those strengths and potential pitfalls
1: yeah, well, let's begin with the team that faced the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Eagles, who finished at 14-3. and three. Uh, Pat on the back to myself and Jake Tarski, who at the beginning of the July podcast, when we really start the one-every-day football podcast all up until February, had said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles finished with the best record in the NFL and certainly in the NFC. And it was at plus 1,200 odds at that point. Uh, that ended up being great because that that was one of our few very good calls on these season-long prop bets. Uh, of course, made it to the Super Bowl, have picks number 10 from the Saints, uh, and then their number 30 pick, uh, second to last, obviously, with the Dolphins not have their first-round pick. They maneuvered a pretty difficult cap situation this offseason, I thought, really brilliantly, to be to be fair. They lost Javon Hargrave, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, uh, their guard, uh, Simolia, and then Minshew, Miles Sanders, both safeties, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Epps. but were able to retain... What has been the core of the Eagles certainly over the past couple of years, but specifically in their run last year was that front seven brought back Brandon Graham brought back Fletcher Cox were able to resign both James Bradbury and Darius Slay who they cut was apparently uh, Slay was going to sign a contract with the Ravens uh, spurn them at the last second rejoin the Eagles as well too. And still added a bit more to their secondary. I think the Greedy Williams addition gets a bit under the radar. That's a really interesting sign we'll talk about a bit too. Signed Rashad Penny, replaced Gardner Minshew with Marcus Merida, who fits that system pretty uh, marvelously as well too. And we saw Jalen Hurts got injured towards the end of the season. Gardner Minshew did okay, but maybe even a bit more mobile quarterback who can operate those read options uh, pretty well too. Also, push play still there. If anything, that's the biggest win for the Eagles all offseason is that they can get that guaranteed three-yard quarterback sneak that's uh, somehow not banned whatsoever. So uh, good offseason, I thought, for the Eagles, who continue to operate really well with Howie Roseman as their general manager. So the big thing I thought from the Eagles, no Miles Sanders. Of course, signs at the Panthers. Now you have Kenny Gainwell. You did sign Rashad Penny. Injury-prone, but really productive when he's healthy. Uh, And they have that number 10 pick where maybe maybe it's a luxury to spend on B.J. Robinson, but If there's one team that could spend a luxury pick on a running back, given their system, it is the Eagles. So how do you feel like this running back uh, depth chart is going to operate uh, over the coming months?
2: So the one thing, and I know I get, Tiring when people hear me talk about it. when you have that mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. I always talk about, and I'm not just like any mobile quarterback. I'm talking about the elite ones. I'm talking about Jalen Hurts, talking about Lamar Jackson when he's on the field, talking about you know Justin Fields. What these players do is they terrify defenses with the threat to run and linebackers can't commit because linebackers always have to worry about that quarterback taking off. So running backs get a tactical advantage and extra space in the running game. And then you throw in the fact the Eagles have an elite line, both from a run blocking and a pass blocking perspective and any running back they plug in there should, in theory, be set up for success. And don't forget, having two amazing receivers and a great receiving tight end, defenses can never commit to stacking the box and stopping the running back. So, look, Rashad Penny, he has missed boatloads of times. Mm -hmm. 12 games last year, 7 the prior year, 13, 6. He's going to miss time i 99 never 100 percent nothing ever happens that way he's never had more than 119 carries in a season now the last two seasons when he's on the field he's been over six yards a carry he is insane and he goes from the seattle run blocking line to this line with jalen hurts think of the big play potential now philadelphia they're a very smart franchise i believe they will not want to give Rashad Penny more than 10 carries a game. Hmm. Because, look, they know his health history. Everybody knows his health history. What's the way to help win a Super Bowl? You keep your players healthy. You give them 15, 18 carries, that probability goes up. Oh, certainly they could look at him through camp, work with him, go in early into the season, and maybe decide if something they believe is different, they could always change the switch. But they do have rotational backs right now. And Kenny Gainwell, who didn't look great during the regular season. If we look at the playoffs, we have a little distorted picture, but he wasn't really good. And Boston Scott, his efficiency has actually gone down in each of the last three years, and he'll be 28 now. His yards per carry went from 4.7 to 4.3 to 4.0. And so and he breaks tackles, 65th percentile but he only gets 35th percentile yards after contact. So he's another one of those guys. He can make you miss, but he's really not going anywhere. But the combination of the three is useful. I do believe – now, I know you mentioned I'm spending an early pick. I don't think that's an organizational philosophy that they espouse. I believe that they are going to maybe take a fourth-round running back because they need depth. And they may also bring in somebody like Leonard Fournette in free agency for a cheap deal. I think they go either – The draft route or the free agent route, there will be plenty of free agent running backs available. Cheap. And The longer it goes, the cheaper they'll be. But I think when you talk about that pick early in the draft, this organization has stressed offensive line. They have stressed defensive line and linebackers. And they just lost their great interior lineman, Javon Hargrave. Hmm. I believe replacing that rotation. Because remember, the one thing that they – do to make it work is they rotate these players. They're always fresh. So I think organizationally that fits the puzzle that they've been playing unless they don't have a player they like at that spot.
1: Yeah, the frustrating part is it's, it's a, a good pass rushing class, like an edge class, defense end class, whatever you want to call it. There's the high end guys, Will Anderson. Uh, you could talk about Jalen Carter as well, too. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what NFL teams want to do with that situation, but from a talent perspective, he's among my group. It's not the case for safety, though. Matt, was the other position that you didn't mention again? Lost uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and then Marcus Epps, their two starting safeties from this past year. It's it's not a good draft class for that. You don't draft one top 10. You might not draft one at 30 either, and that's where I go with if you don't have the safety spot very easily filled, uh, what what would you end up doing later on in the draft to kind of get that? I I don't know what the answer is. I know they have Reed Blankenship who is around too, but it's it's one of those – I like that's the obvious need, but there's no obvious draft spot. Whereas running back, you mentioned, it, right. There's Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt. I continue to mention as well, too, that could do that same type of thing. Ezekiel, you know, joining a division rival. I, I talked about the incestuous uh, NFC North, but maybe, maybe there's a, more going on with the NFC East too. Like it, it's possible. There's a lot of veteran tier guys and a very deep running back class and safety. I don't know what quite the answer would be. So that would be my immediate thought with two first round picks, one being high Maybe you find a situation like Kevin Bayard, right, with the Titans, who's reportedly on the block, uh, a ball hawking safety, but yeah, helps you, you Joe. Win-
2: like, I gotta, win- Let me just—I want to completely interrupt you, just because they have two safeties. They have Terrell Edmonds. They picked him up. They—they signed with okay, free he's agency. He's
1: more of a run, run stuff, right? Right. I mean, and then Reed Blankenship.
2: And then Reed Blankenship had a big, ah, Blankenship had a seventy coverage grade last year, so he'll be the free safety. Edmonds be the box safety. They are set. They are good to okay. go. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. and I, so actually I, that, Edmonds had a
2: 68 grade in coverage, so he wasn't like a complete liability either. And Edmonds has blitz ability because he had a 77 pass rush grade. So Why did they it,
1: sign Edmonds? I must have missed that one then.
2: Yeah, it was a later signing, I think. I okay. think it was a later signing, Joe. So I'm sorry about, But I wanted to cut you up because I want to keep going on that. But they're gonna from an organizational standpoint. They also have Kevon Wallace, who graded out above average. Justin Evans' is borderline average. So they actually have four people they can use. Two are good enough in each in their roles. Blankenship was actually overtaking Epps, and he did start in the Super Bowl over Epps.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's I, so
2: true. I, again, I'm sorry to interrupt you. and it was, They were good points, but I do think they did address that, and I don't think they're going to go further unless it's like a sixth or a seventh-round pick because they already have investment at the position.
1: Uh, that's, that's a good point, then. I have um... – I have issues with PFF. I I, like, I I don't really trust their grading system anymore than you and I sat down and watched film and and just like, Oh, that's a seven. That's not like, I don't really believe uh, in that grading system as much. So your faith in those guys is, is fine. I, I I watch the games too
2: though. I I watch all the players. And so what, but that is that I lean on that because it's, across the board i do believe the grades are fairly fair when i watch it's usually close to what i see i usually don't have big there's some players occasionally but the disparities across the board i don't think they're as big as people make out i really don't i but i think in terms of just having some kind of a level playing field since every player gets graded i think that does that but what there's i see there's value people, in that yeah it, there it's, is it's value like in the that.
1: scouting combine too like we're People want to do look at the pro days, whatever else. No, I, I want to have it on a level playing field. My issue is, I don't know if PFF is per se in the level playing field that I value in that. And that's fine. This is, this is like, I, I know I'm in the minority uh, in in downgrading PFF anyway. And it's by no means what the topic of the conversation is, anyhow. Sure, sure. It's just one of those, I, I actually find it really interesting to debate the merits of it because there, there absolutely is a merit to having a system like that. I'm not sure it's the correct system. And and I override. So I
2: personally override when I go over a player, if I have a, a disparity, I override and say, they say this, but I don't see it. So, but in terms of those players, I do think that they are at least close up. But I get what you're saying, Joe, because there's always merit in questioning a system because they're there first and they're the ones that do it, it doesn't make them the end-all be-all.
1: Completely get it. The best part about this, Jim, is that, okay, so maybe I think they need safety, maybe you don't. But that's the craziness of the Eagles and what they did this past year and what I thought, again, was an excellent offseason. There really aren't many obvious needs. Like, they lost Javon Hargrave, fine. They have a pretty good rotational pass rush as is. Like, they have a lot of guys, a lot of bodies, they will add more. And teams will, or I'm sorry, players will go ahead and sign like they did with N-N-Domak and Suh later in the season. You could find those levels, especially with the Eagles' Super Bowl aspirations again this season. I think it's really impressive how they've built together this team, and there is no obvious weak spots. And that maybe you could spend a luxury p- uh, pick on Bijan Robinson, even if organizationally that isn't the choice. And I, I, I don't know if they should, right? Just because you have pick ten and you can get a generational running back doesn't mean you need to. Like, if the philosophy has got you to this point, has got you to be successful, uh, I find very fascinating. Real quick uh, with the Eagles, I had I had jokingly talked about the, the push play still being allowed to push sneak. <laughs> uh, where does Jalen Hurts rank for you among fantasy quarterbacks this year, knowing what essentially has been the band brought back for another season? Uh, the Eagles have upgraded, I think, in a lot of different areas, but maintained how successfully they were last year. I mean, Hurts was near the top of fantasy rankings and has another year in the same system with a lot of the same players around. Like this might be a guy that you're considering taking with the Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen's and uh, Lamar Jackson, depending on the situation, but even Justin Fields, if you were in a rushing premium format, like I think Jalen hurts is easily in that tier of quarterbacks.
2: Oh, you're hundred percent right, Joe. He is in that top three. And it's then the, and then the drop-off, but li- realistically, like you said, it's Mahomes, it's Allen and in, in any order, I don't care what order you put him. Right. And if somebody told me they were taking Jalen hurts ahead of Josh Allen, I, I, would, I, would, I would be okay th- with that. Yeah, if they're going to do that, I'm not going to question you. I'm not going to argue over that. And with his running ability, if somebody even wanted to take him over a Holmes, not the end of the world. Do I have him there? No. But the three I see as all potential top three options, so they're all right there. And when you talk about Jalen Hurts dialing it back, he throws a very nice deep ball. Oh, yeah. We know that defense, as we said, they respect him in the running game, the actual running game, and then he has three elite pass catchers. Dallas Goddard is an insanely good tight end. Devontae Smith is a number two. That's the beauty. Him in a number two is an amazing role, right? And then, of course, A.J. Brown, Superman. So the defense is what do you do? There is no answer. And so in the coaching staff, they've figured out over time, there are always easy buttons to press because whatever the defense does to you, you have an answer for them because of all the straights. And you mentioned correctly earlier, they lost Isaac Somolo, their left guard. They have Landon Dickerson. He's right. a good player. They didn't, it's a downgrade, but it's not a, he's a good player. So they had a player depth there, and he slides right in. It was an easy loss to the salary cap for them because they had a player.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the other part of this is like Jalen Hurts, obviously a really great deep but if you're to say Who's the fourth option? And and that, you have to even go down to the fourth option to make a case against uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, I think, is, is impressive. But, okay, so Miles Sanders gone. You think they're going to factor in Rashad Penny a little bit, but you're going to save him um, and, and hopefully not risk injury as much. Would mean Kenny Gamewell right now would get a bit more playing time That's your fourth passing option. He's a very good receiving. He's a good runner, too. And you're not going to say, oh, Kenny Game will give me 20 touches. But 12, 13 touches where defenses don't know what's going to happen when Kenny Game will on the field is an advantageous thing and I think is a very valuable fourth weapon offensively for Jalen Hurts, too. So people are going to knock him and say, well, there's injury risk because he runs so much. I think there's injury risk every single time for every single quarterback, and I don't think what Jalen Hurts is doing when he's sliding down on those read option plays, being smart on those opportunities, even the push sneak isn't that uh, dangerous. For situation. I know everyone points at Mahomes and his knee buckling two years ago and, and why other teams don't do that. That's just a one-off deal. Like I, I, I am comfortable drafting Jalen Hurts among the top three quarterbacks. I will take my ahead of Josh Allen. I feel confident saying that. Knowing the Eagles schedule, knowing how good that offense is, and that They played well last year. Like I don't have to look too far to see how successful he was as a fantasy quarterback.
2: Yeah, 100%. And um, you mentioned back to Gainwell. I don't like how they really knocked his passing production off. He went from 50 targets as a rookie to 29 last year. His yards after the catch, 25th percentile as a receiver. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, we've seen it, Joe. You mentioned he was a really good receiver this rookie year. So we know it's there. I don't know what happened last year, but my guess is whatever – Happened? they'll probably coach him up in the off season on it. My guess is whatever it was wrong is correctable, but it also may have been lack of reps when you're getting so few targets. Well, yeah, you put up these low percentile. Well, yeah, you make five catches and they're, all like for zeros, all of a sudden in 20, 29 targets, well, you're not going to do anything with that. So it's 23 catches on the season. So that said, I think those numbers were anomalies. I do think, like you said, he's a very good player. And I think he does slot in as that receiving back Boston Scott. I think when he came in the league was a little bit decent as a receiver, yeah. but he's been a non-factor as a receiver for years now. So you're totally correct. Game was going to have a role. And like you said, if they need a fourth option, I, I don't, dispute that they might be able to use him creatively, not just as a dump off artist. I think he could run routes.
1: Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm right there with you. He did it in Memphis too. That's uh, I think collegiately you saw what Kenny game was capable of. Even then his rookie year, he built on that. I'm not worried about uh, the regression in that regard from last season. So let's up with the Cowboys uh, who finished the season 12 and five, obviously won that playoff game against the Buccaneers, then lost in the second round. Mike McCarthy's M.O., it feels like at times, as the head coach of both the Packers and Cowboys, uh, but certainly recently in the tenure with Dallas. Uh, the Cowboys really kind of played to their team this offseason. So re-signed Leighton Van Der Esch, re-signed Tony Pollard, Terrence Steele, Donovan Wilson, their safety as well, too. They lost Zeke, obviously lost Noah Brown to the Texans, and Dalton Schultz, signed with the Texans as well, too. It was towards this latter stage of the offseason that things really picked up for the Cowboys, who, of course, traded for Stephon Gilmore. Then only a couple days or, I guess, weeks later, got Brandon Cooks from the Texans as well, too. And I think in a deal that is going to go underreported, like you're going to look at fantasy magazines in August, and be like, oh, yeah, Brandon Cooks on the Cowboys. That's right. Like, that's that's a pretty good deal. And then signed Ronald Jones. I, I You could say what you want about Ronald Jones, especially with his tenure with the Buccaneers. That's not a bad veteran running back, and certainly as a depth piece, you can do a lot worse from the Cowboys' perspective. So when you look at it now, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, that's one of, if not the best trio of receivers in the NFL, right, Jim?
2: Now, Michael Gallup has had a significant drop-off the last few years. When he had the knee injury, I don't think he's ever been the same player. He has no burst left. Whatever happened with that injury, he did not recover right. He's going to be age 27 this season. His yards uh, per reception, 10.9 last year. And he's a guy that used to scoot down the sky, lost sidelines, and he would get open deep. And so now here's a guy who's getting short yards per catch, only 16th percentile yards after the catch. Six drops on 74 targets. He had one game over 50 yards, so Michael Gallup, I think, was going to be a thing before that ACL injury a couple years back, but I think that he is just kind of a guy now, and fortunately for Dallas, he is their number three, but I would not be surprised if you Know they were able to cobble something together. Maybe semi Fahoko steps up, he showed a little bit last year. Uh, we'll see if somebody can step in. Maybe Gallup holds that role, but I but when you mentioned Brandon Cooks, yes, he still can play. And mm-hmm. I think last year it's tricky for fantasy managers because they will see the huge statistical drop off that Cooks had. But he was angry about being in Houston, he right. did not want to be there. He looked unmotivated, and I believe we have to reasonably throw his numbers out. Obviously, it was a bad passing attack. He wasn't happy. Discord. Uh, So there are a lot of problems. So I think that Brandon Cooks is – he's going to be 30 this year, and that's the age we start to get worried. But I don't think last year was a fair indicator to show us he's a player on the decline. And the speed he brings, he was able to play – he's not cast as an alpha – but he had to be in Houston. And for what they had, he was very effective. With C.D. Lamb, and I know C.D. Lamb plays a lot of slot, but obviously the coverage that dictates being thrown at him means he is the alpha. Cook's operating in a secondary role with a very accurate quarterback in Dak Prescott who can also – Throw the deep ball very well. Yes, Brandon Cooks is a phenomenal addition to this offense, and they have a—they didn't have explosives. Tony Pollard at the running back was, and C.D. Right. Lamb was kind of picking up. But this puts them on a new plane of big play potential.
1: Yeah, that's probably the fastest receiver that C.D. Lamb's played with, at least from a starting perspective, right? I mean, that—that's—that's that's the level. Like, if you're to say, what's the thing that held back the Cowboys' offense? A lot of people will say Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and that he couldn't do a whole lot with his touches, and they gave him so many touches. I don't. I, I'm again. I'm, I'm a disciple of Mario Puig, so I will agree when he says if you give Tony Pollard 25, 30 carries every single week for 17 game season, he will not make it through. Like does not have the body type to do that. That's yeah. why you give Ezekiel eight those touches, not not because you think Zeke's breaking off 20 yard runs or that Tony Pollard can't. It's so that Tony Pollard can for an entire season. Like there there is value to doing that, which is why I mentioned Ronald Jones earlier. It, the the level in which the Cowboys' offense was dysfunctional was that they didn't have somebody downfield. Like C.D. Lamb is fast, but he's not Brandon Cooks fast. Uh, Michael Gallup wasn't anything level. I and mean, that's why they had Jalen Tolbert earlier the season uh, as their starting receiver, and he didn't do a whole lot for him in their rookie year. Maybe he turns things around. You mentioned Simoke, uh, uh, uh Fioco too. I, like I that it's the speed element that you got from Brandon Cooks relatively cheap from a draft compensation perspective. I know his his contract was what it was, but that's the level offensively I think that matters. I wonder if you can't use Michael Gallup similar to how the Cowboys use Dalton Schultz. And I know that would require really reconfiguring a lot of things. Who plays outside? Do you have less slot snaps available for CeeDee Lamb? But you you could have two slot receivers essentially, which is what Dalton Schultz was, of course, now with the Texans. And that leads me to my other point. Does the tight end position – have fantasy relevance in this offense because they had Dalton Schultz? Or is it now just kind of gone and more of that focus becomes on Brandon Cooks? Jake Ferguson didn't look that bad in his limited snaps last year. Peyton Hendershot got more playing time than you would have ever guessed at times last year as well, too. It felt like the Cowboys were kind of gearing their young tight ends to get to this point. And it's not like Dalton Schultz signed for a massive deal. It felt like an organizational decision to let him leave. I I kind of wonder if Jake Ferguson's not a sleeper option, but there are. Mm -hmm. uh, This is a deep tight end class. Like you, you can get guys in the second or third round that might already be better than Jake Ferguson even a second year into the NFL. So, first of all,
2: you're spot on with a number of points here, and I'm going to reference Mario Puig and I on the Saturday XM show (laughs) every week. We would talk about Dalton Schultz. All right, he's a catch and fall guy. He's open in the zone. Right, whatever. He put up fantasy points. It was fine for fantasy managers. Was Dalton Schultz a good player? No, no. No. He was terrible, but he put up numbers, and that's all fantasy managers care about. So we loved him for that, right? Beautiful. But he could not run. You know, he can't, like, make anything happen after the catch. Well, Jake Ferguson, he's the guy. He is going to be the receiving tight end this year. And I do believe, look, we already know Dak Prescott wants to throw to his tight end. Mm -hmm. Dalton Schultz is getting 100 targets. Maybe I make that number up. It probably wasn't that. But it was close. It was close. And um, Jake Ferguson is going to step into a pretty sizable role with a quarterback, as I just said, likes throwing to the tight end. But Ferguson offers something that Dalton Schultz can only dream of. And I know it was limited catches, 16 catches. He was 79th percentile yards after the catch. He had juice. When he would get the ball in his hands, he was turning upfield and making something happen as opposed to Dalton Schultz immediately getting contacted and going down. 9.2 yards per reception, again, only 16 catches. But it was enough to show me that, as you mentioned, they were probably grooming him to get him in, get him some experience, knowing Schultz was going. They knew they weren't paying Dalton Schultz. They know who he is. They, you know, knew what fantasy managers, they don't care about that. right? Right. So yes, Ferguson is not getting drafted in most leagues. I'm doing these best ball leagues. I'm waiting till the 19th round taking Jake Ferguson, literally. Now his name will become more popular in May. Some analysts will start talking him up like you did, Joe, like I am, maybe some others. Once he gets talked up, he will get in that tight end 18 to 20 range, probably get you know drafted around there. I still think he's a value there because this offense is going to use him.
1: Yeah. The only concern is we, we still have a full month yet before the NFL draft takes place. And Again, it is a deeper class. Everyone's going to talk about Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame guy, uh, first-round candidate. The the Cowboys, I think, sit at 25. Sorry, 26. I don't want to get that wrong. That's that's a a spot to get either Michael Mayer if he falls down. Didn't have a great 40 time, but was – Widely projected as a top 15 pick even two months ago. Uh, there's the Dalton Kinsate as well, too. A faster tight end, same type of deal. Uh, the the Georgia one, Darnell Washington, who's 6'7", can run block, but also ran a, a really good 40 time. So it's very possible that any one of those three options make a lot of sense for the Cowboys. But they have more needs than we discussed with the Eagles. And I think if, if organizationally decide... Dalton Schultz at $6 million wasn't worth it for you. Do you pay a tight end premium for that? I don't know. I mean, that that that's going to be a really interesting question, what the Cowboys choose to do. And I think Jake Ferguson, you know, a, a UW-Mass guy, a, a Badger, we're intimately familiar here with him uh, in Wisconsin. He's He only ran a 481.40 at the Combine. I know it's not fast. He plays a little bit faster on the field, but he's a good blocker, a reliable catcher. Does that sound like anyone to you? It's Dalton Schultz. Like, it's a cheaper <laughs> version of Dalton Schultz who has a bit more explosiveness. Like you mentioned, we literally saw it last year. I don't know. I I, I I get where some people are projecting the Cowboys to take a tight end in the first round or early second round because that's a, a need, an obvious need that they lost. I think you're discounting Jake Ferguson like it seems to be drafters are too. And yes, I will gladly take him in round 19 in best ball formats. It reminds me a lot of Daniel Bellinger who uh, yeah, I had done like a 30-man uh, NFFC best ball draft, too. I think I got him around 26 because people were expecting Ricky Steels Jones to start for the Giants. <laughs> it's like it's, a, it's that level of starting tight end. Jake Ferguson, as like a tight end 15 through 20, is going to be widely discussed by the end of August. And I think right now is very early capitalization if you are doing those best ball formats, uh, at the moment. So, real quick with the backfield of the Cowboys, too, I had mentioned Ezekiel, like gone now, everyone's excited because Tony Pollard's backfield, but oh, wait, they signed Ronald Jones. I don't know if Ronald Jones is that Ezekiel Elliott for the team, but I will continue to tell people there is value for Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe it's not that he gets five yards, six yards, seven yards per carry like Tony Pollard is, but it's to allow Tony Pollard to continue to do that. I don't know where Tony Pollard is going to go. I'm going to ask you that right right after this, Jim, but I can guarantee you that whatever the second back for the Cowboys ends up being, if it's a, it's a guy they draft or another, if it is a Kareem Hunt, they sign another guy, a veteran guy. I will find value in that round 10 and later for that player because I know there's going to be a function for him in this offense.
2: You know, the one concern is the offensive line is on the slide. And I know they brought Tyler Smith in last year, and he was good. But that line is on the slide. Tyler Biotis was never what the name was. He, he's right. very ordinary. Obviously, we still have Zach Martin, but Tyron Smith is finishing it out. He's not playing very well anymore. It, Terrence Steele's okay. maybe a little better in the run blocking. And then, you know, so they – Chuma Adoga, not really. So this is a line – they need to address that line, and they need to address it in the draft, I believe. And it may be an early pick. And I just want to circle halfback for a second. You mentioned that there are analysts that are projecting a tight end to Dells. That's because they're not watching the games. They don't know Jake Ferguson. They don't know Peyton Hendershot. It's not like we saw a ton of them, but there's enough where they're fine. But analysts just look, Dalton Schultz is gone. We don't know these guys. And so they're just assuming that you're on, you're on the point, Joe, you understand this. So yes, the Cowboys are probably gonna be fine with who they have. I don't see them going high draft capital, but back to the point with Tony Pollard, the the line is going down, you know, a little bit and Pollard helps them because he's explosive. He doesn't need the blocks. Zeke Elliott was always great because nobody read and followed blocks like Zeke Elliott. Oh, yeah. That was a superpower. Notice, He looked really bad last year. It was a combination. Yeah, he was losing a step. But B, those blocks weren't there to follow like they were earlier in his career when he ran behind a dominant line. It was a one-two punch that got him. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, he has lost a step, no question. But Ronald Jones is just a straight-line runner. And if this line is not producing holes, he's not going anywhere. He's going two yards a carry, two and a half yards a carry. And I'm not – that's not hyperbole. That's what we're looking at. So – he may make the roster. He may not make the roster. There's going to be other people brought in, like you said, through the draft, maybe even another free agent. And that player, as you mentioned, will be some level of fantasy factor if he could catch the football and B, if he can get outside of it. They're going to need somebody, even though that's redundant with Pollard a bit, I think whatever back they're going to get, if they has some explosiveness to the outside, because I don't think a lot's going to get done up the middle in this version of the offense.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I like Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott did run out the middle, and 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 that's where I'm. I know he wasn't effective, but that has value and function in this offense to make sure that Tony Pollard can be his most efficient, whether it be bursting outside or catching those passes. So I I disagree actually. I think that there will be if they draft somebody or sign another free agent, it will be with the purpose of running between the tackles or taking some of those grimier carries and doing what you can with it. I and I wonder if there's a younger back like a. Zach Evans is the first one that comes to mind, but you know the, the draft process is still very young, that the Cowboys target in day two or early day three, like a fourth or fifth rounder and say uh, by by late July, all the reports are he's already surpassed Ronald Jones as being a factor within the offense. Like I think, I think that is going to happen uh, and I would be surprised, if the Cowboys don't prioritize that in the draft to find a guy that could be capable in that area, except the whole goal is to make Tony Pollard the most explosive and efficient he can be. And I think that's with another guy, whether it be Ronald Jones or a veteran or a draft guy that can take the grimy carries and still add value to Tony Pollard in that regard.
2: Now, Joe, I was talking about fantasy value. If they're gonna have obviously you run plays up the middle, that's always right, a part right, of the right. NFL offense. So what I'm saying though is if a player running up the middle for Dallas, that player is not gonna have much fantasy value. That's so fair. Not going to be. So what I'm saying is if you're going to get fantasy value out of a 10th round pick, it's gonna to have to be somebody that's either catching the ball or getting outside because there's just there's gonna be this stat line of whoever the interior runner is of 10 carries for 26 yards. There's going to be stat right. lines like that, and that's right. going to do the job for Dallas, and they're not going to be upset with that because, like you said, it's going to move move the clock. It's going to you know f- keep the other running back fresh. But I don't think there's going to be a lot of fantasy value running up the middle. That was kind of my point. So I think that I get your that you disagree, but I think we weren't disagreeing about the same thing.
1: <laughs> right? We were talking about we had a different conversation. I guess the other part Zeke was kind of the goal linebacker back, or at least was very good at scoring in the red zone. And I and I I almost wonder if there's some. Uh, a guy that they could target for that capacity too. Not that Tony Pollard can't do it, but again, I I don't want if I'm a Cowboys fan and in fantasy player too. But I don't want Tony Pollard to have a lot of those carries. Like, that doesn't sound like it's the best use for him. So th- there is a guy in the draft, and I'm, I I have to go over more and, and figure it out. But I it's gonna be like a oh yeah duh that makes to- total sense in late day two or early day three that the Cowboys target and whether that person outplays Ronald Jones I don't know. But you know that that's that's the value uh, that that I think is there for the Cowboys in that regard. So I want to dive into the giants who I think had a really interesting off season, whether it's a good or bad one, it's, to be left to discussion. But first, a word from our sponsors, Underdog. The 2022 NFL season is over, but fantasy football season never stops. At Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy football. Right now, you can draft an underdog to the big, bo- uh, big Board Tournament with $1 million in total prizes and 200000 given to first place. Think you know which incoming rookies will burst into the scene in 2023? Well, hopefully a Cowboys guy, If based on my last talk. If now, or if so, if so I should say, there's a chance for you to draft that value. At the moment, all you have to do is join the Big Board Draft your fantasy team, and that's it. The best ball, there's no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. Whoever has the highest score at the end of the season wins. Just head to underdog.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Sign up with promo code RWNFL, and not only will you get your first deposit matched or doubled up to $100, but we'll also hook you up with a free six-month subscription to everything RunaWare has to offer. Free again, free RW NFL. That's NFL stuff. That's Mario Puig's uh, best ball breakdowns, where he's already done twenty plus drafts of this tournament and talked about his shares. That's all of Jim's content. That's all of the MLB content too, right, Jim?
2: Oh my gosh, yes. And we we all know you're here for the football right now. And I'll say this every (laughs) week: the we have the baseball team of all baseball teams. So yeah, if you even if your season started they're going to get you covered in season for all those big waiver wire pickups. Those, uh, those, um, triple a guys are going to get moved up. They're all over that. And like Joe said, six months, but if you already are with underdog and that's not going to work for you, we'll get you set up short term, go to rotowire.com slash pod. If you can't do the underdog, but if you can you can't miss that deal. Now also make sure you're following Joe on Twitter at J B sports, Follow JB Fantasy Sports. JB, yeah. I'm J. sorry, JB Fantasy Sports. Oh my gosh, <laughs> terrible. And follow me at Jim Coventry NFL. And currently, Every day I'm posting a thread, one team per day. It'll end right before draft day. It's going over each team's quick positional breakdown and the potential draft needs that I rank and prioritize. So go ahead and check that out. And again, follow Joe at JB Fantasy Sports.
1: <laughs> That's right. And we'll be getting that audio version of uh, Jim's Twitter content to date over the coming weeks as we really prepare for the NFL draft itself. That'll be a uh, every NFL podcast coverage type of deal for the next couple of weeks all across the RotoWire platform. So definitely tune in for that again rwnfl to get your first deposit doubled up to 100 on underdog and then you also get that free six month subscription to the site if you're into golf we have master's coverage up the wazoo as well too that's been a big thing for us uh you, you, you google uh fantasy golf i think we're one of the near top ones in that too so uh lots to do if you get that free six month subscription
2: Joe right. Len Hochberg, our golf guy, he yes. won the FSWA Golf Raider of the Year. Len knows his stuff. He's the man.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. Again, RWNFL for that promo code on Underdog.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Let's dive into the Giants here. So they have the number twenty five pickets, the Cowboys to twenty six. Giants at 25, despite finishing 9-7-1. and You talked about the tie with the Commanders. Well, that was that game. And uh, at one point, it felt like the Giants were going to possibly lose a playoff spot with how they splintered at the end of the season. Not only did they get into the playoffs, they won against the Vikings as well, too. And then I think had a very interesting offseason, certainly committed to Daniel Jones, re-signed him to that massive deal. Darius Slayton, they resigned. They also resigned Sterling Shepard. Not big money deals for the other, either of those receivers, but brought him back. Nevertheless, you have Saquon Barkley, who was franchised as a result of Daniel Jones signing his contract. They did lose a little bit on the offensive line in Nick Gates and John Falencio. They lost their safety. Julian love Uh, addition by subtraction. Possibly Kenny Gainwell was, uh, I'm sorry. Kenny Galladay was cut. Uh, And then invest in receivers but not ones that you'd think. So Paris Campbell signed from the Colts. They got Jamison Crowder towards the end of the offseason, possibly as a slot guy too. They did trade for Darren Waller, a big a big deal where they gave a third-round pick, and then signed middle linebacker from the Colts, Bobby uh, uh Okoroki, I should say, uh, to help out in the Blake Martinez role, who they had cut last year as well too. So I think the big offseason commitment was to Daniel Jones. Uh, we had an article up on the site by Jerry Donabini in Breaking Down a lot of these big free agent contracts, it essentially amounted to a two-year, $40 million per year deal with a third option that escalates a little above that. If Daniel Jones plays to the level where two years, $40 million, uh, a year is, is a good deal, they will happily take that third-year option essentially. So it, it's fine, but he was essentially a one-year wonder unless you talk to Giants fans who say Joe judge was the whole reason Daniel Jones stunk and that Daniel Jones actually was great the entire time. It was just Joe judge's fault. Uh, And that no Joe who definitely doesn't watch football at all. uh, And definitely doesn't watch the Giants. He was not actually a one-year wonder. Where were you on Daniel Jones and what you saw this season? All right. Take this in.
2: Daniel Jones averaged 200 passing yards per game. He threw 15 touchdown passes in 16 games. What more do I need to say?
1: What more do I need That's to amazing. say? That's amazing. What are you talking about? He's, he's an all-star quarterback. How, how dare you yes. insult yes. Daniel Jones? He's a great running back, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, I thought we could only say about Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I know could do that for Daniel jones Okay. Sorry Brian
2: Dable's an excellent coach. Brian Dable was able to use smoke and mirrors and get away with a lot. Now, down the stretch, some defenses that had personnel – Thinking the playoffs, the Eagles took Daniel Jones out of the equation pretty easily. No sweat, no problems. And now that defenses are going to know what Brian Dable has in the arsenal, they they can't expand that out for Daniel Jones. He got the most out of him, but the problem was they made the playoffs. That put the organization in a spot. How do you let a quarterback go who led you to the playoffs? You can't do it. Right, The fan base just won't accept that. Um, organizationally, too, you think maybe you could do something more. I don't think there's another step up here, Joe.
1: Yeah, the the 15 touchdowns, every Giants fan will blame it on the lack of personnel. And, of course, the receiving core getting decimated by injuries didn't help things. I don't think Isaiah Hodgins is bad, uh, not that he's like the true weapon. And Wondell Robinson, when he was healthy, really was developing. But when you're saying the top targets for Daniel Jones were four or five games of Wondell Robinson – uh, seven or eight games of Daniel Ballinger, Isaiah Hodgins, who was a practice squatter, and then a few other uh, players of that ilk. Well, yeah, of course he's going to throw 15 touchdowns. So, you know, that's, that, that's to be expected now. But my problem is if that is the argument, and I, I don't agree with it, but like that's the argument I hear all the time, talking with the Giants fans I do, then they didn't do anything because Paris Campbell does not move the needle needle for me significantly. And I like Darren Waller. I really do. But Daniel Bellinger was not that bad. So if you are to say maybe both play and then there's more weapons that way, I don't believe that makes a significant difference. Like it's like they decide, oh, what he really needs is more slot receivers. Even when Richie James played fine enough as a slot receiver, there's a lot of targets for Isaiah Hodgins in the slot too. It's I, Like I don't know what the plan of attack was to help make the Daniel Jones investment look good, but I would not have thought uh, signing Paris Campbell and trading for Darren Waller would be the top two answers for that question.
2: You know, Paris Campbell came into the league a few years back, super explosive player who never was on the field. Last year he was on the field, but he wasn't explosive. I don't know if the injuries took that away from him. Not the same guy. So you're right. It's a name, but there's nothing to it. I think he's nowhere near a fraction of the player he could have been coming out into the league. So that's it. Yeah, not really a great signing. I want to just do a half step back again. So, and I know you were agreeing with me in some ways. Daniel Jones, he didn't have weapons, but there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't have weapons and do right. well. Happens all the time. Justin Fields played 15 games. He threw 17 touchdowns, which was more than Daniel Jones in 16 games. And look who Justin Fields had at receiver, right? It was not very yeah, good. Turned
1: the ball over way more Jim. I mean that's 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 <laughs> the argument that you're doing with this. I I think Brian Dable is a fantastic coach. He is and amazing. the upgrade from Brian Dable to Joe Judge is like saying, I'm going to be the quarterback for the Giants, and then he put Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback for the Giants. It's it's that substantial. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that argument. It, it is a, a tremendous leap. But when you know the NFL is good at looking at film footage over the course of a season and game planning, preparing for a certain thing, when I see Daniel Jones has double the amount of carries that he did uh, at, at his most, at his career high, double that, mm-hmm. I, I think you are risking a guy – I mean, if we're all worried about Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts running the ball, but yet we have those, we don't have any of those concerns for Daniel Jones, who doesn't have the nimbleness of the two guys that I just mentioned, and does run off a tackle right between the cornerback and safety a lot of the times. Maybe he runs faster than them, but he that that's where he's running. It's. I, I don't know. I'd like the, if the value to Daniel Jones is that he's going to be athletic and also have guys to help improve. Well, I don't think he has guys to help him improve. And I also think his athleticism is going to be taken away either by injury or by teams just knowing the Brian Dable scheme a bit better. Yep.
2: Oh, yeah. He's not. I mean, I, I don't have him ranked anywhere decently as a fantasy starter. I got him outside of 20. I don't have any wow. confidence in him. Well, I mean, think about it. the rushing is what got him there last year. It was all right. running, right? If he had his running, I mean, he had 700 yards and seven touchdowns. So that that was his fantasy because It certainly wasn't the passing game. He's over two hundred yards a game, right? Unless and, and barely one touch less than one touchdown. Yeah, that's not getting you there. So, and he's big. He's a big dude as a runner. He's two hundred and thirty right. pounds. So that certainly helps. him. But like you said, and we don't keep rehashing this. There's only so far they can go with that because he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's Daniel Jones. He's not going to make these game-breaking plays when defenses now decide, okay, we're going to make him beat us as a passer.
1: And that's just yeah, and, and like the Eagles have a specific personnel to to stop Daniel Jones. Not many other teams in the league do. So I I get that there's like, oh yeah, in year two of Brian Dable system, Daniel Jones will improve. And oh look what Josh Allen did with Brian Dable. I mean, it's the same <laughs> situation, it's the same tools, less arm strength, certainly, but like that's that's the caliber of player that athlete athlete wise Daniel Jones could be. I I I like below twenty. So you do the ranking stuff way more than me, and you're also, you know, really good. I, I just don't have the, the brain or, uh, I guess, focus to like sit there and do that every, all the time, and, and it doesn't matter to me as much. That might be the theme of 2023 from a face perspective. Entering, uh, you know, July and August as we get more, it. I've always felt like the, the value in tight ends was a, was a theme one year. Or okay, do you actually do zero RBs? Last year I was all in on getting receivers that uh, were good, but on bad teams that was like my thing. I think there's actually going to be a, a significant downgrade at quarterback from a fantasy perspective. And we're, we might not be aware of it because if, if you are having Daniel Jones outside your top 20, given the rushing stuff he had, that tells me that there's not that many good tight end. Or I'm sorry, good quarterbacks that actually are available fantasy wise. And it might mean that I am very happy committing to the Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allens in that yes. early round two, three, four section of drafts. Like That, that might be the theme of fantasy drafts this the season.
2: Oh, Joe, you are spot on with that. It. It's literally – and if it, the top three. A lot of people are – obviously, there's three people in every draft, but they're aggressively making sure they get those three. They're going up higher than they had in past years, especially even Mahomes and Allen. They're getting pushed up even further. But literally, I'm of the camp, if I don't come up with a top seven quarterback, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to end up with mediocrity. It used to be mm-hmm. in fantasy drafts that, okay, I'll pick at the end. We've got – Quarterbacks 10 through 18, they're all pretty even. I don't see it. I, I think there's going to be a very, very big level of mediocre fantasy quarterback play. So I want one of those top six or seven, and I'm going in most drafts. I'm making sure I get
1: that. I love that. Um, i th- man, it was Patrick holmes's first year as the starter. He was quarterback 10. I very vividly remember because I was very happy with that value. And then the year after was Lamar Jackson that ended up being his MVP season. It was right around that same range the year after that was Trevor Lawrence didn't work out, but I was very committed to Trevor Lawrence in that same spot. Uh, Jalen hurts for a lot of people was that kind of guy. I know he wasn't 10th uh, quarterback and later in these past drafts last year, but that's the same concept. I don't feel like that is the case. And I don't know if we as a community in fantasy are getting smarter or if it's that there just aren't as many options. I think there's been um, a lot of the older quarterbacks getting older and not as good. And a lot of these younger quarterbacks really not rising and emerging. And I know you have the, the Joe Burrows and Justin Herberts and, Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence. There's a very big chasm behind those guys, which is what I feel like you're illustrating too. So definitely something that uh, I'll be curious to see develop uh, as we see these best balls come out more and the ADP kind of gets redefined there. And then when you have these four new QBs, Will Levis, uh, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and CJ Stroud added to the mix, does somebody make them the Trevor Lawrence Mahomes, that QB 10 uh, of this year it'll be really kind of interesting too one one final point um with the giants jim do you feel like they are a playoff team this year if we think daniel jones is going to regress and that their offseason moves they made weren't all that impactful and they don't have a crazy draft pick to make a difference it, it, i mean like it's a weak nfc yes. and the giants are not a bad team where do you feel like they slot into the playoffs picture? I mean,
2: seven teams make the playoffs. The last few years have been the case. Once that extra team went in, they there's always a team that you know it, is really not a playoff caliber team. The Giants are on that borderline. They they are they have great coaching, and that speaks a lot when you have great coaching. I still I think Daniel Jones will get figured out, but I think Dable is going to figure some other things out. Maybe some better ways to get Saquon Barkley, you know, more heavily involved. Right. He'll have an answer, he'll have some things that are going on, and defensively, you know, I'm, They've got a bigger Bobby Okereke, and I think that helped them a little bit. Uh, they had some injuries last year. Their linebackers are going to hopefully address that a little further in the draft because that was a liability, and defense were just picking on the linebacker spots consistently and just beating them down there. But if they can have any type of an upgrade there, I think defensively that's a little bit of an improvement, and I think they have a very realistic chance of making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, i, I that's where I'm at as well, too, that I don't think they compete with the Cowboys or Eagles. I think that both those teams and rosters are a level above the Giants. But if you factor in regression, but also progression for like a Kayvon Thibodeau and, and some of their younger guys to make that step up, th- that offsets a lot of things. And and nine, seven and one, maybe ten and seven, like that that makes sense in a in a conference that looks overall weak besides the division they play in. The one team that the Giants could beat up on is the Commanders, who finished last year at eight, eight, and one. They have the number sixteen overall pick. Also a pretty mundane offseason to date. They re-signed De'Ron Payne to that uh, record-setting deal. Now they have massive money spent along the defensive line. Feels like that's the uh, theme of the NFC East, save for the Cowboys. The Cowboys also invest in their pass rushers, too. They signed Jacoby Brissett to act as possibly a veteran backup, possibly a starter, then a bit uh Andrew Wiley the, the tackle from the Chiefs they signed Nick Gates away from the Giants Cody Barton fills in Cole Holcomb they really lost to the Steelers uh, they also lost Carson Wentz again possibly addition by subtraction JD McKissick along the same lines Taylor Heineke might be their only big loss and again they filled that void with J- uh, Jacoby Brissett. the good news for the commanders they kind of have ramped back a team that went 500 last year the Mike Tomlin special the bad news they really benefited from a pretty bad schedule. They faced yeah. the AFC South last year and the NFC North last year. And I know that hurts as a Packers fan, but it's true. Uh, and the other like non-divisional matchups and non-divisions they're facing were the Browns, Falcons, and 49ers. I mean, like that's, that's a lot of pretty <laughs> easy layups relative to the schedule last year. So while they were a 500 team, they played teams that were significantly worse than them, and they won't have that uh, advantage this year. The other possible advantage or not one, Sam Howell, right now, you're a listed starter for the Commanders, a fifth-round pick last year, got one game as a starter, looked okay, was a great, certainly better than Malik Willis, but I have a hard time really diving into Sam Howell confidence-wise, even though I didn't mind him as a prospect last year. So what's your thoughts on the Commanders' offense and specifically Sam Howell? So
2: obviously we don't have enough on Sam Howell to make any definitive judgments and playing Week 18, 18- you know, it is right. what it is. Right. So it's very difficult to call. I, I am. I have questions throughout the offense, the offensive line a couple of years ago, it was looking like a promising line. They were solid. That line's falling off. Charles Leno's pretty good. I mean, I think Charles Leno was pretty good, but honestly, otherwise, we're going to Andrew Wiley. He was the weak link for the, the chiefs and Andrew Norwell. They signed last year, barely passable. They get Nick Gates again, very mediocre, I think we have a young quarterback who is not going to have a very good offensive line. That's problematic. I am not sold on Brian Robinson as a running back. I think he's, and I think Mario Puig is on the same camp with him kind of like a basically an inside banger, but he's not getting you a big yardage. And I know last year he was shot and I, you know, so we don't know if he was a hundred percent at any point, but I, I don't think like Mario, I don't think that he's anything special at running back. And so in Logan Thomas started to fall off a cliff last year. Right. Tight end. So I, I had, was
1: shocked he was still in the roster. Like right? how was how in, in this day and age and with the cap, the way it was, that Logan Thomas was still being rostered at his figure was was shocking to me. I thought for sure he'd be a cap casualty to them, like just jotting down. I'm like, oh, wait, he, he's still in depth, chart. This is insane to me.
2: Yes, but, I mean, their strength is receiver. Terry McLaurin is a star. He hasn't had great quarter. Hasn't had good quarterback play during his career, and that, and he still puts up thousand yard seasons every year. And Jahan Dotson, he missed some time, but he was well worth that sixteenth mm-hmm. pick in the draft they spent on him. He showed signs of being special right out the gate, and he should make a big second year jump. And Curtis Samuel for what he is, and I don't know now. Now that their offensive coordinator from last year is gone and we know that Scott Turner loved Curtis Samuel so I don't know what his role will be but if you use him in a slot role you can get some usefulness out of him the Brown is interesting he yeah. hasn't had much of a chance but he could emerge so the receiver group I think is strong but if Howell isn't going to get good production in the run game and good blocking I'm a little concerned because I think he's going to need those things and he's not going to be set up for success. And obviously they draft somebody, they're going to be in a similar situation, but they have good receivers. So that's where it's interesting, Joe.
1: Yeah. And if you are to say, who's going to benefit from Sam Howell as your quarterback, um, whether it be, you know, from the switch from Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke to Sam Howell, I don't think it's McLaurin, even though I think McLaurin's fine. and, And you can still draft him where he is. I do think it's Jahan Dotson. Who I was, I was very low on. I, I didn't think he was going to be very good. I thought the Commanders' offense was really bad. Carson Wentz was very bad. I was right about that. And and yet Jahan Dotson continued to impress. Every situation he had an opportunity to, he was a really good red zone asset for them. Yes. I, for for a guy that's under six foot, you would think not not the guy they're targeting, but consistently. Every single time he was healthy and available, he was producing at a point where he was a wide receiver three fantasy wise for you. Every time he's available. I actually think that's the biggest beneficiary. Cause I don't believe Logan Thomas is a guy that can really be a factor offensively. No. So slot targets opportunities underneath that's Jahan Dotson's wheelhouse and why he was drafted as high as he was. I think he is an actually really good value at his current ADP. Uh, and even if you're saying, I don't think Sam Howell is good. Uh, there's enough tension dictated to Terry McLaurin that Jahan Dotson almost by default is going to get enough opportunities to be a fantasy factor. And I and I'm also agreeing with you on the offensive line. I mean, like we we didn't even mention Trent Williams, who's now obviously with the 49ers, but like that was part of the offensive line deteriorating to yes. the point that it has was losing him and then other pieces alongside that. Um, I don't think any ownership change makes a difference. I think the commanders kind of recognize where they are. Maybe if they stick it in as the number seven seed in the playoffs, fine, but Howell is a cheap asset. Uh, and as a fifth-round pick who didn't look like Malik Willis, that can be defined as an asset. But an asset doesn't have to be like this outrageous, ridiculously positive thing either. Like when you're paying a starting quarterback under $1 million, you're winning, even if you're not winning games. And I think that's kind of how the commanders are seeing things offensively. I mentioned no J.D. McKissick. You had talked about Brian Robinson as a banger between the tackles guy. If you think that offense is going to get a pass catcher and get one involved and they don't have McKissick, and they haven't drafted anyone yet. That has to mean Antonio Gibson is your pass catcher, right? Or is it just that Eric Benemy, their new offensive coordinator, probably head coach middle of the season because they'll fire Ron Rivera? <laughs> uh, do you feel like that he just is not going to use a pass catching running back and then it doesn't matter? I mean, we, we saw Jerick McKinnon have fantasy value, but that's Mahomes and the Chiefs, not the Commanders and Antonio Gibson.
2: Right. And Scott Turner's gone and Scott Turner liked the you know, screen game, especially their turbo package when they were chasing and especially late in games. So look, Gibson's a wonderful receiver and I'm not a coach, but if I was a coach, he would be a very big part of the offense as a receiver. <laughs> right. I don't know how you don't Ron Rivera clearly doesn't like something about Gibson. Now, one thing we don't see, we don't see practices and yeah. Rivera is kind of old school. My guess is, and I can't substantiate this. Is Gibson does not do the things in practice that Rivera expects, and Rivera is that old school coach that equates practice to play time. And so I think Gibson has been hurt. Now in the running game, a bit of it's on Gibson. A, he's had fumbling issues. B, he doesn't really follow blocks well. He, he doesn't really. He was up played more wide receiver than running back in college. Right. So I, I think that acclamation isn't as easy as many think. So there's something to that, but nonetheless, I believe it's for Ron, it's Ron Rivera as the reason why Gibson hasn't played. But I think as you're intimating here, with no McKissick, they may not have much of a choice here. Robinson's not a pass catcher. So Gibson should have sneaky PPR value because if and I go, I know different coordinator, but JD McKissick was able to get a lot done as a receiver if Gibson gets the whole role, how does he not catch 55 passes?
1: Right. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're, you're more familiar with the best balls, but I'm not positive where uh, Antonio Gibson is going. But if you're saying Antonio Gibson in, as your running back four or five by round 12 or 13, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And let's just say come May 2nd, and the commanders haven't selected uh, a Jameer Gibbs uh a a Devin Akani, the the, uh, the AM running back or uh, any one of those like five six, five seven running backs that feels like there's a bunch of those ones around and they haven't committed to a pass catching guy of the draft, I'll take Gibson even higher because yes. I love yes. Terry McLaurin and I think Jahan Dotson's one of the best values. But that's just two players. And Curtis Samuel can do a lot of that stuff. I I, I get it. It's just two players. And an NFL yes. offense Needs, especially when it's relying on Brian Robinson the way they do, has to get more out of their pass-catching spot from the running back. And if it is just Antonio Gibson, then Gibson is going to almost by default do well with his fantasy value. I, I feel very confident saying that. It's low. I'm assuming it's low. But I, I really believe in Gibson, by default, kind of stumbling into positive AD, ADP from that.
2: Regard. Yeah, I can't say I remember where Gibson's gone in the best ball draft. Certainly not early, <laughs> it's right. at, at least like probably eighth round and beyond. And, and even at that point, if you need a running back, it is excellent value in a PPR setting. So totally agree with you on that. But Gibson is a player to target, I think, this year. And you mentioned Curtis Samuel, and I know we said this earlier, but remember, Scott Turner is gone. Scott Turner brought, literally brought over Curtis Samuel from Carolina, from Carolina to – Washington, because he had that plan to use him, and right. Curtis Samuel is just way too specific, I think, to fit in with Eric Bieniemy. So yes, Gibson's the beneficiary here.
1: Yeah, I was I was trying to get to Deuce Vaughn. He's a, the uh, upcoming yes, running back. Yes. That's, everyone keeps saying he's Darren Sproles. If they don't draft <laughs> Darren Sproles 2.0, then I really believe Antonio Gibson is going to be. And there's there's a few Darren Sproles esque. It's we do this in the draft community where we don't know what mm. else to do, so we just kind of name. Uh, somebody is yes. the, the most relevant because of their height and weight. Uh, and that's where I, uh, Deuce Vaughn is getting the, the Darren Sproles comparison. But if, if, if the commanders don't commit to that kind of guy, and I don't really know why they'd have reason to. They have other other needs across the board. You mentioned offensive line. They could draft another receiver. You could go secondary, whether it be safety or cornerback, and add to that. I know Kendall Fuller was was better, but like there, there's that kind of player that you can add to. Uh, yeah, I, I think Antonio Gibson right now, as of today, is an interesting fantasy value. So anything else you want to say about the commanders? No,
2: I am hopeful for their defense. Obviously we haven't seen much out of chase young for his lofty draft position. He's been hurt. This is his chance. This is last year. I would, I believe the contracts up, I believe. So I would love to see chase young play to the ability we thought because that interior jonathan allen is a game wrecker deron Payne is very good montez sweat on the right. other end this could be a very very good defensive line and although they're adequate at corner and safety adequate right if that pass rush is getting home all of a sudden you cover for less time and you make them look better so if this defense comes out playing well this could end up being a fun team to watch.
1: Yeah, you had mentioned, I think Chase Young has one more year until his fifth-year option kicks in. So okay. it, it's entirely possible that they just you know give him a massive deal next year yes. to to make somebody. It's a, it's a direct contrast to the Eagles and 49ers, who they sign these big-money pass rushers, but you want to have six or seven rotational options. And it's like the commanders have went all in on just four. Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Chase Young, they're all really good. You're going to play the whole time and see what happens. Uh, and it's it's funny it's it's just funny to see those different teams choose to do different options with the limited cap space that they have. So that does it for us on the NFC East recap. Again, uh, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Next week and the week after, we talk about some of those uh, tweets that Jim's been mentioning. Each team's different draft uh, options, what we're going to be going through. I don't know quite the structure for those. Uh, again, we're, we're bringing the audio version of Jim's wonderful 250-character tweets. So there's, there's some uh, melding to that that we'll have to work on. But I'm excited to dive into the draft prep as we get closer and closer to the end of April and that magical time for a lot of people who love fantasy football and love fantasy overall, which is the NFL Draft. We have coverage up the wazoo when it comes to the NFL Draft, and we will over the ensuing weeks, but that'll be kind of our focus over the next duration of our Wednesday podcast. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully you'll be back again next week.
4: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.